Now, last week, we talked about who am I? Who am I? The week before, we covered who are you? How many of us know that the most significant thing we can, we can talk about is who God is? That's the most important thing we can focus on. In fact, that's what Moses found out. Moses found out that when he was going to Pharaoh, it wasn't as important who he was or what his credentials were or what his abilities were, but who was backing him. And when you have the king of all glory backing you, you have nothing to fear. Isn't that why the Bible says, if you be for me, God, who can be against me? That's exactly what it means. That's also why Jesus put it this way. If you seek the kingdom, focus on the kingdom first, everything else will fall into place. Because when you connect with God, everything else makes sense. Now, we covered that in the first message. Today, last week, we covered who am I? Because once you get, once you get an understanding of who God is, then you can better have, you can have the right perspective of who you are under his covering, under his authority, under his direction, under his empowerment, instead of running around rogue, right? And so we covered that last week. This week, I want to talk about the what if. You remember, Moses says, these, are, this, these passages are in Exodus. If you want to take notes and read them, you can write down Exodus. He starts asking God, what if this God? What if that God? What if that, right? And so now we've reached the point, Lord, I know who you are. I know who I am. Now, what if? What do you have for me this year? What am I supposed to do? And what if this takes place? And what if that happens? And so we start to see this take place. And, and, and today I want to focus on this. What if you were singularly, singularly focused this year? What if this year, more than any other year, you've got a vision for what this year should be? What if you built momentum taking one step after another, starting off right, first thing in the morning, dedicating it to God like a champion would, and walking into your day with confidence, each and every day building, not, not huge, huge, huge battles, but the little battles that add up and add up and add up. And when you look up, finally, you realize, wow, my life is being transformed. What if that took place? Come on, how many of you would say, I'm in? I'm in. I'm ready. I'll do it. Let's go for it. Then that's what I want to focus on today. First point is the power of one. Now, before I get into my first point, I want to let you know this concludes, this message will conclude this sermon series. But next week, God just revealed to me something beautiful. And I'm going to be working on, I'm going to be preaching on, on the subject of sacrifice. It's interesting because in February, I always go into relationships. And this week, this year, it's not going to be all about marriage. It's going to be more about relationships, just winning in our relationships. And I wanted to bridge this series with the next series, and God did that. Because if you want to have an amazing year, you've got to sacrifice. But if you want to have amazing relationships, you have to sacrifice. And if you want eternal life, you must receive the sacrifice. And so it probably will be one of my most significant messages I've ever preached. It wasn't on my, my sermon outline that I set every year in September. This is something new that God gave me this week. Don't miss it. 
Don't miss it. The power of one. Now that is not just the slogan, said Bill Maher. <laughs> Who cares about Bill Maher? It's been a movie. That's not just a movie. It's been a book. It's not just a book. It's what people say about themselves, the power of one. I can do increasingly greater things than I thought and all this stuff. No, no. I'm talking about the power of one word from God. I'm talking about getting alone with God and receiving a word for this year. I'm talking about the one single most important thing that you, if you focused on, would change your year. What would that be? Imagine, imagine you have a bucket, and that bucket is you. That bucket is your life. That bucket is your year. And that buck, this bucket is an old-timey bucket. Can you picture an old-time bucket with wooden slats bound with, a, with those uh, metal rings? And these wooden slats, one of them is broken. How much water will that bucket hold? Pastor, it depends on where that slat is broken. If it's broken, it's missing its piece, then the water is going to escape through that. doesn't matter how tall the other slats are. That's the one thing I want you to focus on this year. And the power of being focused. You say, Pastor, but is this biblical? Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. Not that I've already attained it or that I'm already perfected or perfect. Come on, anyone here can agree with the Apostle Paul and say, I've, I haven't made it yet. Anyone here want to say, I've made it? Yeah, I've made it. By you raising your hands, you still have to work on humility, but you're getting close, right? But no, no, when we say I've made it, you're basically saying, Lord, check me out. I'm done. I'm done. Coach, come get me. I'm done. No, none of us have made it. None of us are ready for the coach to pull us from the game. We still have more plays to run. We still have more that God has for us. So watch what he says. Not that I've already attained it or am already perfected, but I press on. Notice that word press. It describes how we should live. It means you've got to work at it. Come on, isn't life tough? You've got to remind yourself. You've got to work and press. And this is what Paul is describing for us, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended it yet. But one thing I do, Notice the singular focus. Notice the laser-sharp vision saying, this is what you called me to, God. How many of you know there's power when your focus comes in? When you're, I've been having some trouble with my eyes, and I'm going to the eye doctor to see, because when you don't have clear focus, now don't get me wrong, I can still see better than most people, but I'm used to having better than 2020 vision. I don't brag. I don't say that to impress you, but to impress upon you. I'm starting to realize that when focus starts going, it kind of like, whoa. You say, what do you mean? What does that mean? Whoa. It means the more focused you are, the more confident you are. Not only the more confident you are, the more precise you can be. 
not only the more precise you can be, the less stress you can feel. Everything starts falling into shape, and this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. This one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind me, and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. This year, I want you to forget last year and all the failures in your life, all the things that didn't work out, and I want you to say, Lord, you've given me a new day. Hallelujah, Lord. You make all things new, God. I'll learn from the things that I need to learn from, but those things that hold me back, I'm going to wash them away. I'm going to let go of them, and I'm going to walk into the new year focused. Amen. Watch this. I press forward to the goal, to the prize, to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. One word. One word from God in this area will change your life. I want you to consider this. One word to David from God changed his life when that prophet anointed him as king. One word to Esther changed her life when Mordecai came and said, for such a time as this, this is your time to be queen. One word to Joshua changed his life when God came in and said, be strong and very courageous. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. One word to Moses, and he said, when, when God said, I am who I am, sends you. Amen? One word to Gideon, by God, changed his life. Come on, this year I want you to say, Lord, give me that one word. Give me that focus. Give me what I'm called to, Lord. Do you hear me? Now you might say, Pastor, I have a hard time with that because you always want me to be so churchy. I can't afford to hire all of y'all. I don't need you to be churchy. I need you to be God kingdom focused right where God has put you. Right where God has put you. Be who you're called to be in the activities you're called to do, in the way you're called to live. I want you to center on God and to say, Lord, you've given me a circle of influence. You've given me a family. You've given me positions. You've given me whatever you've given me. Now give me a word that will direct my year, Lord. Direct my life, Lord. Can I tell you, it was one word that changed my life forever. You want to know what that word was? A pastor came to me and he says, you have one life. Not two, not three. I don't care what the Hindus say. I don't care what the Buddhists say or anyone else says that you have many lives. Come on, how many of us know we have one life to live for our king? One life to live for our king. And he said, don't waste it. And it shattered me. Because all of a sudden I thought, what if I miss it? And so I started praying like, not, like nothing else mattered. Lord, give me, give me a word. Give me a word. Come on, how many of you know God will give you a word if you ask? And once you get that word, then you can be focused. This is what the Bible says in the book of James. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man 
unstable in all of his ways. What is the Bible saying? He's saying, I want you focused when you pray. I want you to know that I am God. I want to give you something that you can pray for and about, and when you start praying for and about it, I want you to stand firm and don't be double-minded. How many of you know God is not duplicitous? God doesn't change his mind. God doesn't say, well, I started here, but you know what, David, I, I you know, scratch that. I'm feeling different now. How many of us are so glad? Why are the men all going like this? Yeah, some of you think that, never mind, let's not get in trouble with our wives. Let's keep going. But sometimes we as humans, we change our minds. Don't ever rearrange furniture with Pastor Melissa. She'll say, I I want this over here. No, no, I want it over here. No, God knows exactly. Baby, I love you. (laughs) And I will lift that couch no matter how many times. Because that's what I'm called to do. I want one thing to do is to love this woman with all my heart. Amen? How about one vision? Come on, guys. One vision, one word, one vision. What is vision? Vision is focus. You say, is this biblical? Yeah, listen to what the Bible says. Then the Lord answered me and said to the prophet, prophet Habakkuk, write the vision down. Come on, how many of us have a vision and then we forget it because we never write it down? And God starts speaking to us and we're so excited. And then we get halfway through the year and go, what was that he said? And then we start ad-libbing. How many of you know that's horrible when you ad-lib with God's vision? Write it down. How many of you know there's something, something neurological special about writing? They're finding this out, that you remember more, you retain more, it motivates you more. Something happens in your brain when you write your goals down rather than just typing them out. Well, I'm starting to write more because over the past week, some of you have seen me with the little cast thing, and you said, what's wrong? I'm embarrassed to say, but I might as well get it over with so you'll stop asking me. And that is that I've got a ligament issue in my thumbs because of this. Can I get an amen? Don't go, oh, how about you? (laughs) Now some of you are going, oh, wow, that's the diagnosis? That's what the doctor told me? (laughs) You can save yourself a trip and stop and start writing again. And so there's something powerful about writing. He says, write it down. Watch the way he tells him to write it down. Make it plain. Don't write a whole story. Make your vision plain. That's why I say one word where you can see it, where you can You can focus on it and watch what he says. Put it on a tablet. That means get your chisel out. Get a piece of rock out. No. It means get a good piece of paper and write it down and then put it somewhere prominent. Put it somewhere important. Put it on the refrigerator. Put it on the closet door. Put it somewhere you won't lose it. Come on, how many of us write stuff down and then we're like, where's that paper at? He says, display it so that it will motivate you and keep you focused. How many of us know the world's coming at us all day long trying to rob from us? And then listen to what he says. Make it plain so that he may run, he who reads it. They may run. That he may run who reads it. You're going to read it. And as you read it, it will motivate you every day to stay focused. I'm asking you to be one task focused. 
I'm asking you not to try to do everything. Come on, how many of us tried to do, try to do so much we're not very good at anything? Anyone like me? You know, I can remember being young and my dad came to me and he says, you know your problem? I said, oh shoot, it's one of those talks. Come on, how many of you know that those kind of talks, you already know where they're coming. And now, I, now I'm that dad. You know what, son? And I've changed my tune because I always said I would be a different. I said, you know what, son? I'm so proud of you. And now he goes, <laughs> okay, I know where this is going. The sandwich effect, right? Little good, then the bad, then the good again. But you got to say it. I remember my dad told me, he goes, your problem is you're good at a lot of things. And you're a dreamer. And because you're a dreamer, you give yourself to everything because you can see possibility in everything. But what are you called to do? Wow. Can I get an amen? Some of us have our fingers in too many pies. Let's just get focused. One task focused. This is super, super important. I can remember being a kid. My dad taught me a lot. Come on, parents, are you hearing me? How important are you? I can remember my dad told me we were, I was nine years old. I started peewee baseball. I remember last week, started peewee baseball. Gave me, and I was, they threatened me to put me in the outfield. Now, you know, if you're a peewee player, I'm sorry. Don't try to tell me that so-and-so played outfield. Willie Mays played right field, this and that. That's in the pros. In peewee, if you're in the outfield, you're sorry. That's just the truth. And when you're just starting, at least on my team, and he put me, he was threatening to put me in right field, the coach was. I was like, this is horrible. I said, why? I don't want to be in right field. This ain't good. I'm going to quit. No, you're not going to quit. Coach came down hard on me. He was my dad. <laughs> He said, the reason I'm putting you in the outfield is because you won't focus. You got your eyes going everywhere. You're supposed to be batting, and you're looking over there and looking over here and striking out, and balls coming to you. You don't even know. And I start yelling at you, and you run the opposite way because you're just like, what? Finally, he said, if you start focusing, I think you can be the shortstop. All of a sudden, I envisioned myself as Derek Jeter. Alex Rodriguez, you know what I mean? I mean, you start seeing yourself. Back then, there wasn't, they weren't in the league, but I saw Ozzie Smith. How many of you know who Ozzie Smith is? And I started believing that could be me. I started focusing. Next thing I know, I'm not saying this to impress you, but to impress upon you, they moved me up as a nine-year-old to play with 11 and 12-year-olds. Because if you focus, you can achieve. One focus at a time improves the quality of your work, the quality of your life, and your overall effectiveness. I got a, I got a quick little, little uh, illustration I want to do. I need a couple volunteers, okay? Um, let's see. Robert, you got the Dallas Cowboys shirt on. I want you to come up. Come on up. I wanna, I wanna, Robert, yes, yes, with the gals. Mike. Come on, you got, a, you got a jacket on today, man. Shouldn't have worn the jacket. I, I saw that. I said, man, he looks exceptionally good. Come on up. Come on up. I need a couple ladies. Let's see. Let's see. Miss Paula, come on up. Come on up. I, I got one more. I got one more. I'm looking. I'm looking. Um, here we go. Come on up. 
Come on up. Come on up. Take a seat. Take a seat right here. I'm going to give you the instructions really, really quick. So you have a sheet of paper. Each of you have a sheet of paper. And you have, it's going to be super simple. Robert left me. Oh, he, hey, I'm with you, brother. I am with you. So this is what you're going to do. Can you see that back there? And, and just, to, just to give you an idea, I'm going to put it on my screen. You can look at it from here. You're going to, in a minute, not right now, I want you to divide your paper with three lines, just like that. Put three lines across here. Draw Right now. Right now, put the lines across. Now, in a minute, this is where the instructions come in. You've divided your paper into four sections. Four sections. So... This is what we're going to do. We're going to do it this way. Are y'all you, are you good or do you need this? You're going to write the word, not yet, switch tasking is a thief. And then you're going to number each letter, each letter with 1 to 21. Not hard. But this is the way I want you to do it. S, 1. You, and you just keep going that way. Does that make sense? So you go S, one, <laughs> W, two, I, right, three. And then you go all the way back and forth, back and forth. You're gonna multitask and we're gonna see how long that takes you. All right, I'm gonna give you a timer. How long do you think we should give them? Let's give them 30 seconds. That's quick, I mean, how hard you just gotta do? S, one. Let's give him 45 seconds. Hold on, hold on. Let's do this. I know, Paula, you, you're, trying to, you're trying to win this thing. It's not a competition, Miss Paula. How about 45 seconds? Let's see how they do. Anyone think they can, they can do it? Now, is everyone clear? You're going to write the phrase, switch, tasking is a thief. But every time you write a letter, you have to write the corresponding number to go with it. And then you go back up, write the next letter, the next number, next letter, next number, until you finish the phrase. If you end up with more than 21 numbers, something went wrong, okay? <laughs> so the spaces don't get a number. Here we go. Go. Five seconds. Ten seconds. Fifteen seconds. Twenty seconds. Thirty. Okay, time. So we had... Everyone? Good. So everyone completed in what amount of time? I had it down here, and it was literally about six to ten seconds before. So they completed in about, what, 40 to, uh, 40 to 35 seconds total. All right? Now we're going to switch it up. On this next lines, I want you to write switch tasking all together, 
Don't have to multitask. You can write the phrase and then next do the numbers. Or you can do the numbers first, one, two, three, four, five, six, all the way to 21, and then write the phrase. You don't have to go back and forth. All right? Here goes the time. Go. Five seconds. Ten seconds. Wow. 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 You had literally 30 seconds to spare. They did it in half the time, somewhere between 25 seconds, right? That's a good average because I was kind of trying to get the average. Is this thing about to go off? It might. Yes, it's about to go off. It's still going. It's still going. So what does this tell us? It tells us that you're at least, even on the slow end, you're at least 50% faster and more effective if you stay focused. If you do one task at a time and then switch to the next task, to the next, next task, to the next task. Some of us who think we're great at multitasking, go online and just look up brain games multitasking and they'll show you how horrible you are. <laughs> I was doing most of those to, to, in, in preparation for this message. Why am I telling you this? Because we spend so much of our time switching from one thing to the next to the next, and we're actually losing 50, 60, 70% of our ability to function at a whole nother level. I want you to think about that. Thank you all very, very much. Work that out as a... Let me ask fathers, fathers, what if you're spending time with your son and you have no interruptions? How much more effective is that going to be with your daughter, fathers, mothers, with your son, with your daughter, with your husband, having no interruptions? This is why people make fun of me and they say to me, because I have a hard time multitasking. I'll tell you right now, I cannot walk and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> I've got to focus because I'll get distracted, right? And people say, Pastor, you don't return my calls. No, it's just that I'm not going to be tied to this phone. If I'm talking to you one-on-one, -on -one, guess what? I'm not answering my phone. It was horrible the other day. I was trying to pray, and I knew somebody was going to call me. And Ben, I just could not focus. So I decided I can't have any calls anywhere near my prayer time where I'm focused on that. And so I want us to be Mindful of this, where, I'm like, what is going on here? See, see how quickly that happens? Oh, I'm not the only one. I've, 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 I've been with some of y'all. Listen, next thing I want to talk to you about, and this is going to go very, very quickly, is the morning routine. How many of you know that a morning routine is super important to having a great, great day? And if you have a great day, you can have a great week. What I want to talk to you about is winning the morning. Winning the morning. What does it mean to win the morning? Listen, if you win the morning, you'll win the day. I'm talking about building momentum right from the beginning. What is momentum? You build speed. You build confidence. You build effectiveness. 
Now, I know some of you are going to say, Pastor, I just tried those morning routines. I know some of the morning routines are really burdensome because they're like, you need to meditate for an hour and then pray for an hour and read your Bible and then exercise. And it's like you're getting to to work at noon, right? (laughs) That's not practical. I just can't do that. Or I got to wake up like at midnight (laughs) just to have a morning routine. But what if you do the little things, just little things that will stack up day after day rather than doing nothing? Look, I'm going to tell you right from the beginning, I am not a morning person, so when I tell you this, I'm asking you to come with me. Let's see what's possible. I believe one of the reasons I'm not a morning person, I used to be a morning person when I was in high school, when I was in college, I could get up, I could do things, but then at the age of 23, 24, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, and it got really, really aggressive really fast, and for for 20-something years, I had a really, really tough time. I don't say that to impress you or to make you feel sorry for me. I'm trying to give you perspective that my mornings were really tough. And many times I thought to myself, I just want to survive the morning. And if I can get through the morning, then, then my day really starts. And so I use that as an excuse. Come on, there's a lot of good excuses. Isn't that right? But the world has a way of taking your excuse and still putting you in right field. Can you hear me? Hear what I'm saying to you. I'm saying that if you still don't do the right thing, you'll still have to suffer consequences regardless of the reason. I had a great reason. My boss didn't care. I worked secularly up into my 30s. I didn't come on to the church until here recently. Half of the time that I spent as a pastor, I spent doing double duty. And so my mornings were tough, but now I've made a decision this year, over the last three months, my mornings are going to be my best part of my day because I know how important they are in God's Word. Listen to what the Bible says. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning. For in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk. For I lift up my soul to. Come on, any morning people in the room? I, I need to hear high, uh, louder amens. Amen. Louder amens. Some of you that aren't morning people, amen like you agree with it and you're going to get there. Amen. 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 That's me. So I'm not preaching to you from a place of strength. I'm please, preaching to you from a place of weakness saying God's grace is sufficient. Amen. Listen to what else the psalmist says. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. I'm not going to wait till the evening. First thing I'm going to address you in the morning. I will direct it to you. My voice, I'm going to direct it to you. And I will look up. See, start your morning off the right way is what we're talking about. And if you can, habit stack. Habit stack, there's a lot of research done on that. I'll just throw that out there, but habit stacking is do things that lead to another thing. When you see something, it leads you to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. If you can link all your habits, you'll create a domino effect. And this is what I'm starting to realize because this has been really tough for me. 20-something years of having poor mornings, I'm saying no more. No more. This is the year. Come on, guys. Anyone hearing me? I want you to start focusing on picturing your ideal day. You say, but pastor, I can't picture my ideal day. That, that, 
you know, it could be anything. Then start with the big three. Start the night before. Come on, how many of us start the morning off the worst way possible? How many of you know what the worst way possible is? I'll tell you how. You grab your phone first thing. Anyone grab your phone first thing? I know you don't want to admit it right now because I just said it's the worst thing possible. (laughs) But so many of us grab our phone the first thing. What's the phone going to tell you? Is it going to tell you great news? Is it going to say, celebrate this amazing day, give it to God, God is good, and everything that you face today is going to be wonderful, or is it going to share bad news right off the front? Some of you have it, op- have it to where Fox News gives you alerts, other news stations give you alerts. What is the news going to pepper you with first thing in the morning? <laughs> oh, something went horribly wrong. Really? At night? Do you people ever sleep? You gotta be worried, wrecking the world in our country like, like at night, <laughs> you know? And you start reading this, or how many of you, first thing, you start getting notifications from your social medias. And don't act like, like, like you don't. We already know. You're like, that, that picture only got so many likes, are you kidding me? Five likes, 10 likes, two thumbs up on that tweet. I really worked hard at crafting that. I spent extra time. I took 85 pictures, picked the best one, spent 20 minutes editing it, and nobody cared. How about directing your morning to the Lord? Visualizing how your day will be. Dr. Andrew Herberman, professor of neuroscience at Stanford Medical School, he talks about Hebrean learning and NMDA, uh, neuroreceptors, and I was listening to his entire lecture. I've been listening to his lectures because I want to learn more. And I know some of you are thinking, well, that's, that's secular. I get it. I get that some secular people are taking this and using it. But this is what I know. Two plus two in the world equals two is the same thing, four, as two plus two in the church. Truth is truth regardless of where you find it. I just ground it in God's word. And so he says this. He says if you visualize something and you see yourself being a blessing, being a certain type of employee, working through your day in a certain way, you're more likely to perform it. In fact, you're four times more likely. Four times means 400% more likely to do it. This is why Michael Jordan, great athletes, saw themselves making the basket instead of missing it. This is why the Bible says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So he is. I know I'm running out of time, but do you want to hear my morning routine that I just came up with? I'm so proud of it, I put it down, that I can put it up, that I may look at it and run with it. I start off in the morning. I start off in the morning on the left side of the bed. And I stretch my arms, literally. I've been doing this one for years. Because when you're sick, this is how you should wake up. This is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. God, I'm grateful for this day and life that you've given me. Lord, help me to trust you. God, I praise you. You're wonderful. 
you realize how powerful gratitude is? And then I roll over. I've been doing this one here. I've been, God, you gave me breath. You give me life. Help me to focus on you. Help me to hear you, Holy Spirit, that you may guide me, that I may always know that you love me and that I can do all things through your strength. And I get up. And I reach my phone. The night before, I've turned off all notifications so I can swipe down and press the Bible app, read the Bible verse of the day. I read it. I open up my shade. I look outside at God's creation. Sometimes the flower beds, I haven't quite <laughs> gotten in shape. Oh, platform, they say. And then... I read it again slowly, I put my phone down, I grab my water cup, which I put the night before there, along with probiotics, I take them in my hand, I look over at my wife and I tell her how beautiful she is and how glad I am she's mine. I go into the bathroom, I won't tell you what happens next, <laughs> but, then, but then I brush my teeth, I drink my water to rehydrate my body, I make sure I have some appropriate stretching clothes on so I can go out and it says prayer, meditation, stretching. So I don't do yoga. Yoga's far eastern, it points to false gods. I do prayer and meditation that points to the living God, Yahweh. I am that I am. And as I stretch and I pray and I meditate on the word that I read, I just keep thanking him. I just keep thanking him. Then after the stretching, I do some reflection. Lord, did you, were there any dreams that I need to consider? And I'm not talking about from a prophetic standpoint. I'm just talking about my mind's worried about something. Let me give it to you. If there's nothing that I can perceive, I move on. And I think about my, my big three that I try to think about the day before. I said, but one of my three is to bless the next generation. They've been heavy on my heart. So, Lord, this day I just pray for them. And I think about how if I encounter one person, two people, whoever I encounter that's under the age of 30, let me, God, be a spring of life to them. How can I be a spring of life? And I start visualizing myself speaking life to them. And then I get about my day. Amen. Come on, some of us, oh, I forgot. I read the Bible for about 15 minutes, and then I start to journal for about five, and I get to work so I can be a blessing to others. I have some exercise in there, but, but some of you may not, not do that, may have another time for it. But what I'm telling you is that we're aiming this year to compound, compound the results there's something beautiful about compounding. It's found in God's word. It was Jesus's model for spreading the gospel. He said, I'm going to share with you 12, and then you 12 will share with 12 more, which will make it 24. Let's just say 25. Then it goes to 50. Then it goes to 100. Then it goes to 200. Then it goes to what? 400 and 800 and 1600. And then we start like high-level math. No, this is why the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the thing which you have heard from 
from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others to do the same, to do the same. See, Albert Einstein said once that compounding was the most powerful force in the universe. This is what it means to make these incremental little improvements this year when you're focused. Compounding. It's the snowball effect. It can start with one little snowflake that turns into two, and when it rolls down the hill, it can take over a village. Now I'm going to give you an illustration, and then we'll be done. Suppose you are at Yankee Stadium. How many of you know I like the Yankees now? You're at Yankee Stadium, and you're handcuffed to the very top rail. And this, this stadium has been sealed, watertight, watertight. You're at the top seats, top rail on those seats. The stadium is watertight, and an evil person comes in with a magic eyedropper, with a magic drop, and he puts one drop on the pitcher's mount, pitcher's plate, and it will multiply every minute. You're handcuffed at high noon, noon. After the first minute, if you held it in your hand, you'd have just a little tiny dime-sized puddle. After six minutes, if there was a thimble that that drop fell in, that thimble would be overflowing after six minutes. How long would it take for you to drown? That's the question. 50 minutes. How many of you thought, wow, that's pretty quick? That's the power of compounding. 50 minutes. Let me ask you another question before we finish. When would you know you were in trouble? At 12 45. Five minutes. For some of us who don't pay attention very well, it might be three minutes before we're, we're done. Because at first, the nature of compounding, it doesn't seem to be doing anything. At first, it's just a little puddle on the pitcher's mount. You're too high. You don't see it. Then it's filling up the infield. You still don't see it until the infield is completely and the outfield is completely filled up. And then you're already too late. You got four minutes by the time three minutes roll around. You say, Pastor, I don't like the Yankees. I would never be there. I'm a soccer fan. And as a soccer fan, our stadiums are so much bigger. I'd be handcuffed to whatever stadium, I don't know them, but you'd have one more minute. Because at, at 51, at 12.51, there'd be two Yankee stadiums filled up. That's how quickly this thing goes. Do you see why God told us, go and make disciples one-on-one? -on -one? Don't leave it up to a pastor, don't leave it up to Billy Graham, don't leave it up to an evangelist. We all do it, we, we reach the world. But how does this apply to my life, Pastor? How does this make me a great person this year? This is how it makes you a great person. You're gonna take those little incremental steps, being laser focused, starting in the morning, just to put one in front of the other, and at first, for, 
for 45 minutes of the year, for most of the year, you may not see anything happening. That's why most people quit. But isn't it interesting how folks always look at a successful person and say, how'd you do it? It's been 45 minutes, 45 years, 25 years of work. It didn't just happen now. You just got clued into what's been happening. It's the last five minutes of Yankee Stadium. Does that make sense? See, for most of the year, you're going to think, nothing's going on, nothing's going on. I'm just doing the same old thing. Nothing's going on. Can I get an amen, please? Nothing's going on. And then that last part of the year, things are going to start. I love you, church. I love you, church, with all my heart. This illustration works great for your life but it's even greater for the gospel because Jesus Christ implements it a compounding strategy, a multiplicity strategy, an exponential strategy. Would you join it? God, we give you thanks because of your strategy, because you, you set forth the living word the good news, and it reached us well, it across seas, across oceans, across mountain ranges, across prairies and lands. And we are Christians today because of your amazing gospel. Get involved in discipleship this year. Come on Tuesdays. I'd love to see you here. In Jesus' name. Your blood that was shed and your body that was broken, Lord. We value it. As a church with one voice, we say thank you. We honor you. To you be the glory, Lord Jesus. Amen. I love you, church. I'm trusting your